Uh, well, Gateway, this is VJ, and I have asked VJ if he would this morning to read our scripture for us. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 18 through 30. If you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to look at Philippians. It's one of those little books toward the back of the New Testament. It's hard to find, but it's an awesome one. We've been working our way through Philippians for the last several weeks. This morning, we're looking at chapter 2, verses 18 through 30. If you do not have a Bible, if you go to your phone, open your browser, and go to mygateway.life, we've created a portal of communication for us, and one of the things in that is there's a card, if you sweep, there's a card that has sermons. If you click on the sermon card, today's sermon is in there, and this scripture will be there for you. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 18 through 30, I'd love for you to read along with VJ and then look as I'm talking about it in a few minutes. And just as a ridiculous exercise in spiritual aerobics, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's word. Philippians 2, 18 through 30. VJ? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope Therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor, people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourself could not give me. You may be seated. Actually, thank you very much. You've got to be brave to say, yes, I'll read scripture on a Sunday when the name Epaphroditus is in the scripture passage. So I don't know if you were following that or if you got dizzy there and were kind of tuning out, but not all Bible passages are created equal in terms of their devotional impact on us. There are Bible passages that I have read, and if you're in the habit of reading the Bible regularly, and I strongly encourage it, you can't exercise your spirit, you can't grow spiritually, I don't believe unless you have some practice of reading the Bible, and for many of us, it's a daily practice. But there have been Bible passages over time in my life as I've read the Bible, and I read them, and I go, wow! And I'm knocked out. I'm, I'm inspired. I learn something. I drink something in. It's awesome. 
And then there are other Bible passages that are just really good. They're solid reminders or interesting. And there are stories, especially in the Old Testament, you read some of those stories and you, you know, wow, you really want to read the next page. And then there are passages that don't necessarily change your life. They're written to a very specific situation, and in this case, Paul is just covering some logistics. Hey, by the way, I'm going to send Timothy to you, and I'm also going to send Epaphroditus to you. And yet, we're going to cover this passage this morning because there's vital information and important persuasion for us here. Even in a passage like this, God intends for us to be inspired and persuaded by the examples we see here, by what's going on in this passage. So, Why was a passage like this included? I want you to think about that for a second. Let's review. We've been in a series of conversations where we've been talking about spiritual growth, what it is, how it happens, what it does for us, and we've been working our way through Paul's letter to the ancient church in Philippi called the Philippians, and over the course of this conversation, we've seen how Paul has already emphasized living in a way that's quote, worthy of the gospel of Christ. And when he uses that word gospel, he means the good news, the story about Jesus. Live in a way that honors that, that's worthy of that. He's told these Philippians and us that we should imitate the humble servant heart of the Lord Jesus. He's told them and us that we shouldn't look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. He's told them and us that our lives must not be characterized by arguing and complaining. We cannot be the kind of people who allow petty hurt feelings or small-minded disagreements to weaken God's work through us. So with this passage, he not only passes along some important logistical information, but he offers us some living examples of the kind of character he's been talking about. So he talks first about Timothy, who is a spiritual son to the Apostle Paul. And then he talks about Epaphroditus, who was a leader of the church at Philippi and who was their representative to Paul. So let's remember, Paul wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul, and he included these two names. That much is obvious. But drop back for a second and let's remind ourselves, God is also involved in this. I am absolutely convinced that the Bible is a God-breathed book. So that means that the Holy Spirit also inspired these two names to be included in this letter. He wanted these names, he wanted these examples set forth for us. I wonder if you wrote a letter today. Those of you who are parents, if you wrote a letter to your children, do not read until you're 18, and you included just epic emotional and spiritual stuff. Or you wrote a letter to one of your great friends that talking about what's going on in your life. If you wrote a letter, whose names would be in it? Whose names would you include in your letter? A mentor, a spiritual influence, a grandmother, parents. Whose names would be in your letter? And maybe more importantly, whose letter would your name be in? I'm going to go for a cheap low blow this morning, almost, although very appropriate. One way to get your name in the letter of an awesome group of people is to get connected to Gateway and serve in Kidstown. 
Yep, he went there. Every Sunday, we have our preschool kids in the back. And you have the potential to be the first representatives of the body of Christ that they'll ever know. And most Sundays, except for about 12 a year, we have our elementary students in the back. And these are very formative years for these young people. And you have an opportunity to speak into their lives week in and week out. So uh, without shame or embarrassment, I want to let us all know Gateway is going to two services beginning Easter of this year. So in a month, we're going to two services. So instead of a 10 o'clock service, we're going to meet at 9 and 11 every week after that. In order to multiply our Kids Town program in the back, because look, the way we do Kids Town, for those of you who are fairly new here, and we call our children's program Kids Town, the way we do Kids Town is we want an opportunity where we can gather together in here most Sundays without any children and dial in and just hear from God without having to be a parent. We also want to create a space and an opportunity where our boys and girls can hear God's story in a way that they can understand so they don't have to listen to boring Pastor Ed. So most of the time, they're in the back, and preschoolers are always in the back. That's to serve us, and it's to serve them. But in order to accommodate that model, that means every week, people are in the back serving your children. And that model does not work unless we're all in. I don't mean... I'm all in. I mean, we're all in. We also need greeters, and we need people to set up and break down. This is a gymnasium, and we turn this every week into a, a space like this. I came this morning and said, Matthew, too many chairs out. Matthew Kodam and Chili standing in the back. He's setting out chairs. He said, I got an email from the boss this morning, clearly not me. He said, put some extra chairs out. Boys and girls are in today. Okay, far be it from me, and I'm glad we did. Matthew set this up this morning along with a team of men. I'm sorry to do this. I did not tell them I was going to do this. But if you helped set up this morning, would you stand right now if you were here helping to set up this morning? Matthew's in the back. Dean's in the back. Yes. Right, yep. Thank you, man. You may be seated. We need help with setup, and we're doing this twice a week, 9 and 11. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to create an opportunity for you to think and pray about stepping in and how you want to do that. So we've set up four tables that are these different areas of concern. We also have needs on the IT team. Tom Love is in the back doing our sound and doing a spectacular job. Thank you, Tom. There's a booth up top. If you turn around and look, those two windows up top with a clock in it, don't worry about the time. But if you turn back and look at that booth, there's somebody up there running these slides, and there's somebody doing these lights. We need help with that. We're going to eventually, hopefully by this fall, maybe sooner, we're going to start videotaping our conversations so that we can put that on the web and so it'll be easier to follow our sermon series. We're going to need help in order to do that. So that's the IT team. We also need uh, computer help. Our network broke down this week and somebody took a half a day off of work to come in and try to figure it out. 
took one of the Wi-Fi spots out, put another one in, it didn't work. The next day we had to call an expert in who literally unplugged and plugged it back in and everything worked. (laughs) And we paid him. Anyway, thank you, Bill Russell. We need help. That's over in that corner. Setup Breakdown is in that corner. Kidstown is in that corner. And greeters and hospitality are over in this corner. So serving coffee. We're going to two services, and we need twice the number of volunteers. And I'm serious about this. We're going to give you an opportunity this Sunday and next Sunday to cogitate on that. You've got something in your program that talks about opportunities to serve, and there's something that you can tear off at the end of it and sign up for how you want to serve. Or you can go sign one of the clipboards at one of these tables to sign up to serve. If you tear that thing off, leave it at the table or leave it on the welcome desk. We'll find it, hopefully. We need you. And we don't apologize for saying so, but can I say one more thing? Not only do we need you, you need this. Now, I'm not telling you that Gateway is the place for you to connect, but if Gateway is the place for you to connect, wherever it is that you connect, you are not designed to be an observer. You are designed to jump in and to serve and to get involved. So am I saying that if you sign up for Kidstown every Sunday morning when you're on the kids' rotation, you come in and you're super happy and psyched, and at the end of it, you feel so purposeful? No. But over time, that is what happens in your life. You become a part of someone else's letter. All right, so here's what I want us to do. I'm going to make some comments about Timothy and Epaphroditus in a minute that we hope will be awesome and inspiring. But before we do that, almost every Sunday here at Gateway, we have a time we call Pass the Peace. The church has done this for hundreds of years. It's just a liturgical movement where we get to share some of what's, just a little piece of what's in our heart with someone else. One of the ways we do that is by saying, peace of the Lord be with you, and the other person says, thank you, except they do it much more energetically than that. But today, we usually allow about 90 seconds for that. But today, we're going to give you a good six minutes. And in that six minutes, here's what I want you to do. Seriously, I want you to right now think of either your favorite movie or your favorite play. If you're a play person, your favorite play. If you're a movie person, your favorite movie. Some of you are movie buffs and you're thinking, I can't name a favorite movie. Shut up, just name one. Get one in your head of your top 25. Just pick one. All right, so you have three assignments now. Your three assignments over the next five minutes. This is serious worship business. I want you to wander around, speak to at least three people, I want you to make at least two of those someone that you don't know. Peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. What's your favorite movie or what's your favorite play? And I want you to go visit a table or two. And I want you to pray. I want you to say, Lord, is this how you would want me to connect? Now, some of you are already connected. That's awesome. Thank you. We're going to be busy over the next six months to get to the end of this year going to two services. We're going to be very busy, and we need everyone, and I don't apologize for saying it, because you need it. So I want you to go visit at least two tables. Take out your serve brochure. Let me say one more word about Kidstown. Kidstown is up here, and I keep talking about Kidstown because the need in Kidstown is great. Look, I want you to know, sixth graders and older, we will let you serve with Kidstown. And our, our teenagers are serving aggressively back with our kids, and it's just exciting to see. I want you to know.
But if you're sixth grade or older, we'll let you serve, but there have to be a couple of adults in the room with you. Everybody who signs up to volunteer everywhere, we do background checks on you. We do that because we take the care of our children very, very seriously. So anyone who's going to be anywhere near our children, we want to make sure that they've passed a background check. And again, two services, two opportunities to serve, 9 and 11. And remember, because we're going to two services, if you serve at one, you can go to the other. So you don't have to miss. You got your instructions. You're going to stand. You're going to pass Christ's peace. You're going to find someone who has the same favorite movie or play that you do. And you're going to visit a couple of these tables. And you're going to do it in an orderly fashion. All right, Gateway, time to move. Get going. Stand up and pass Christ's peace. I want you to know that Lily came up to me during Pass the Peace and gave me a picture that she had drawn of me. I don't know what the rest of you were doing, but <laughs> Lily is now my favorite. So you remember in this passage, the passage VJ read for us, Paul lists out two examples. Let's go through those real quickly. First, there's Timothy. First of all, Paul expresses his desire to send Timothy as his representative to the Philippians. And he offers Timothy up as an example of the kind of person he's encouraging us to be for three reasons. First of all, Timothy understands and practices Christian unity. So listen to verse 20 of the passage that VJ read. I have no one else like him, Paul says. This verse includes a somewhat awkward translation of a Greek word, isosokos. And this word literally means like-minded. Paul is saying something close to this. There is no one who is like-minded with me like Timothy. Interestingly, he'd used a very similar word, sympsychosis. And if you hear that word psychosis, it's related to our words psychology or psychiatry. That's where we get it from. It's of the mind. He used that word, that's a very similar word, in chapter 2, verse 2, when he was telling the Philippians, I want you to be like-minded with one another. Timothy is like-minded with Paul. He has community with Paul. He understands Christian unity. And maybe more importantly, Timothy brings the most important ingredients for real community to the Philippians themselves. Paul says, he takes a genuine interest in your welfare. I believe Paul wants these Philippians to get the full court press experience of being around this kind of unity builder. Timothy was the kind of person who understood and practiced Christian community. That's why Paul is sending them. Secondly, Timothy was principally concerned with the cause of Jesus Christ and not with himself. This is another reason that Timothy's being sent and another reason he's offered up here as an example. Paul says in verse 21, For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but not Timothy. In week three of this series of conversations, we looked at the opening of this letter, of the letter to the Philippians, where Paul answered some of the Philippians' concerns about him, about Paul. Remember, Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter, and we couldn't help but notice when we were talking that when Paul talks about his own imprisonment, he makes no mention of his health, and he makes no mention of prison conditions. He really doesn't answer any of the Philippians' concerns. Instead, he only talks about his circumstances and how they've contributed to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We made this important point. The ultimate criteria by which Paul measured his circumstances was whether or not they contributed to the advancement of the story of Jesus. The ultimate criteria by which Paul measured his circumstances was whether or not they contributed to the advancement of the story of Jesus. 
Timothy is just this same kind of guy. Timothy was principally concerned with the cause of Jesus Christ. This was foremost in his life, and this is not because Timothy is some kind of super saint. This is the kind of person the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to be. Finally, Timothy had Paul's complete confidence because Paul had mentored Timothy. In fact, Paul calls their relationship a father-son connection. Listen to this. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I know how things go with me, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. If you were here last week, you may remember that we talked about mindset habits that allow for spiritual growth in our life, ways of thinking that allow for us to connect to God. And under each habit of thinking, we listed a couple of very specific practices some disciplines that help us develop that way of thinking. One of those habits that we talked about was a way of thinking to be the kind of person who nourishes others out of personal health. As a practical activity, one of the ideas we mentioned was mentorship, both mentoring and being mentored as a means of encouraging personal wholeness and strengthening our ability to offer help. Here is that discipline, that practice in real life. Paul had been a spiritual father, and a mentor to Timothy. Now, just random personal observation, but my sense is that those of you who are under 35, I think you're doing a better job at this than my generation did. As I look back at my life, I, I don't know at any point where anyone was really mentoring me, and I think one of the reasons that I'm as wacky as I am, and my wife Diane and I have struggled as much as we've struggled at times is because I didn't have that in my life. So for those of you who do not have a mentoring relationship, for those of you who are not connecting with someone above you and then connecting with someone whom you're pouring into, find them. Find someone to mentor you. My wife Diane has recently been asked by a couple of people, hey, you know, could you mentor me? Because this is the kind of thing that grows us, that stretches us. Secondly, Paul mentions Epaphroditus. Okay, so by the way, we're going to call him Epi from now on because I don't want to keep saying that name. I want you to think of the kind of example Epi sets for these Philippians. Think of the kind of example he is. Think about how powerful his example would be. Here's what I mean. Remember, over this letter, if you've been following it, Paul, first of all, offered up the example of our Lord Jesus. He said earlier in, in this chapter, he said, in effect, be like Jesus in your relationships with one another. Have the kind of mindset and the attitude that he had. Plus, he's offered up his own story as an example. He said, in effect, I want you to be like me in this regard. And here in this passage, he offers up Timothy as another example for them. But now, he offers Epi as their example. The most significant thing about this may be that they knew Epaphroditus. They knew the kind of man he was. That's why they sent him to Paul in the first place. They knew Epi wasn't a super saint, and yet Paul is able to hold him up as an example. This man that you know, be like him. Paul is saying, hey, Philippians, be like your friend Epi. This is not some impossible standard. You've seen it. Be like that. The circumstances surrounding this are that this whole episode are that Epi had been sent to Paul by the Philippians as their representative. They sent him to serve Paul and to bring Paul a gift. During his stay in Rome, Epaphroditus had uh, evidently gotten deathly ill. So Paul is sending him back home, both because he says Epi longs to see the Philippians and because Paul wants to reassure them that Epi is now okay. 
The illness that they've somehow heard, I don't know how they heard, but somehow they've heard about, it was a real deal. In fact, it was life-threatening, but now he's okay. Here's what he says. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. This is rich language. My brother, Paul calls him, and this is a term of endearment, but it's also a term for Paul of Christian purpose. Combine that with fellow worker or co-worker, and you get a sense that Epi was one of those people who comes alongside, rolls up his sleeves, and goes to work. Epaphroditus is not an observer. Further, Paul calls him a fellow soldier. And with this language, Paul is usually suggesting a life of discipline, the kind of life that we were talking about last week. He's also talking about a life lived in full devotion to the cause of Christ. Once again, this is not casual spirituality. This is all in. This is part of God's army. Finally, Paul calls him, quote, your messenger and minister to my needs. The word messenger here is, some of you will recognize this, is the epic Greek word apostle. Now, sometimes this word is used technically, almost like an officer of the church. The first apostles were the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and they became the founders and leaders of the church movement. They're called apostles in a technical sense, if you will, but here, Paul means it in a non-technical way, but it's still profoundly significant. Epi is a And this is what the word means, a sent one. That's what the word apostle means. He was sent by the Philippians themselves. And he had a message, and he had a commission, and he had a special calling on his life. And he's accomplished it. Paul is saying, in effect, he has cared for me, he has served me, he's delivered your gift faithfully, and he's risked his life in doing so. So I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you, and soon I'm sending Timothy to you. I commend these men as examples of the kind of spiritual life and spiritual growth that I've been talking about. Honor people like this and follow their example. So don't you want to be in someone's letter like this one day? I had a great conversation with another local pastor this week, and he knows what's going on here at Gateway, and he's actually been praying for us. And just was really honored by his heart. This has been a particularly discouraging time in their congregation. So he's telling me some about that. And after this period of downloading for a while, he said, okay, so how about some good news? And I said, okay. And he said, Billy Graham died this week. And I said, yeah, he did. He said, you know, have you ever read Billy Graham's biography, and I've read uh, Billy Graham's autobiographical work that he uh, wrote years ago. I've not read anything else, but that was epic. He said, think about the people that this man has met. Think about the influence that he's had. This guy has someone in his church who first came to make a connection with God because of what Jesus Christ has done through Billy Graham's ministry. And then he said, you know, I hadn't thought about this before, but then he said something pretty amazing. He said, this guy has preached the story of Jesus to more human beings than anybody in history. And he lived in our generation. He said, I want to have a legacy like that. We need to be people like that. Look, we need people like that to inspire us, to be models for us. 
We need people in our letters. Certainly, in my letter, I would include my mom. I would include my wife, Diane, and her profound influence on me. I would include some people here at Gateway in my letter. We need people like that to inspire us, to be models for us, and we need to be people like that. The people around us need us to be people like that. Your children need mothers like that. Mothers who put the interest of others above their own interests. Mothers who have God's cause as the central cause of their life. Your coworkers need project managers and programmers like that. People of character and consistency. Sisters and brothers, Christian soldiers and apostles. They need people who minister to the needs of others. The children here at Gateway need people like that. People like you. You know, we've been doing this for a while, Gateway. We started this many years ago, and I was privileged enough to be brought to Northern Virginia by another church who paid me a salary to come here and start a church from scratch. So that's how we started Gateway many years ago. And when we came here, I had brown hair and more of it, and I had three small children who were all grown, stinky men now. But when my children were little, they were being raised in part by Gateway Community Church. And you can't know the profound debt of gratitude that I feel. Many people, part of this church, spoke into our children's lives. As grown men, our children have come back to some of you to ask advice, business advice, personal advice. Maybe the most important gift that you gave Diane and I over the years, those of you who've been here for a long time, you treated our children normally, even though they were extraordinarily abnormal. You did not put them in some special category because they were our children. You treated them like anyone else. We have an overcrowded classroom of two-and-a-half and, and three-year-olds that need that kind of treatment. We've got a class of third-graders that need that kind of treatment. We've got people who are not here yet who are going to be coming over the next nine months who desperately need that kind of treatment. They need to be met at the door and said good morning to because they're desperate, because they're hurting, because someone told them, you know, there's a building over there, go check that out. This needs to be supported. This, this, and this, and what Tom is doing, and, and this, because it makes a difference in our experience here and our ability to do this. We need brothers and sisters and fellow workers and fellow soldiers and apostles and people who care for the needs of others, and you need to be that kind of person. Let's pray. So, loving Lord, I don't know how you have spoken to any heart this morning, but I pray that whatever you've done, whatever you've said, you will seal it, protect it, protect it from frustration or doubt, protect it from busyness, continue to stir in us. God, help us to be the kind of people who are in someone else's letter. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, let's stand together.
And let's sing one verse and chorus before we go home. Nate, what are we singing? 10,000 Reasons. Yes, we are. All right, choir, this is the good one. So, 10,000 Reasons. Evidently, there are not enough ways to count how good God is. So, choir, let's bless him before we go home, and then you're dismissed. Bless the Lord of my soul. Thank you.